from the second book of Samuel, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. My steadfast love will not depart from him. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. I seldom get a chance to uh, preach to you because we have such good preachers here with our rector and uh, his assistant, and uh, so I, I am pleased to be able to come before you today. And in these past few weeks, uh, we have been looking at uh, a couple of major characters in our scripture, Saul, David, and Goliath. And today we add Nathan to the mix. Now much has happened since we saw David on the field of battle with Goliath. Saul is dead. David has taken the throne, and as our passage opens, you can almost feel the turning of a page to a new chapter in the life of the people of Israel. Nathan, counselor for the king, understands what David wants to do. It's very clear. David wants to build a house for the ark a house for God, a proper temple for God in this new royal city, David's city, Jerusalem. And Nathan is all for it. He says to David, do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But later that very night, the word of the Lord comes to Nathan with a new plan and a new promise. There would be no temple, at least not right away. God would do David one better. God would promise to David a dynasty, that his line would continue through the generations. And what's more, God's promise would take on a new depth I'll give you a house, God says. And when you die, I will raise up your offspring after you, looking ahead to Solomon. And I will establish his kingdom. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will punish him but I will not take my steadfast love from him. Your house, your kingdom, shall be made sure forever. Now this unconditional promise to David is critical. Critical because it changes the nature of God's covenant, his relationship with the people. You see, up to this point, God's presence in the lives of the people was conditional. The big word was if. If you love the Lord your God, 
if you walk in God's ways, if you observe the commandments, then will I bless you. But if you don't, there's a good chance you'll perish. You see, up to this point, the covenant between God and his people was conditional. With clear expectations and possible outcomes. But now that's all changed. And this is big. This is huge. This whole story has changed. You see, up to this point, God's love has been described as steadfast and faithful. That's wonderful. But now there is something beyond that. Something beyond steadfast and faithful. The promise of God in 2 Samuel is the root of some of the most profound images we have in Scripture. Because in the end, light conquers darkness. In the end, love conquers fear. And the worst things that can be experienced are not the last things. So the ground has shifted. God has done a new thing. And yet, and yet it's important to understand that while this covenant of if is silenced in the covenant of nevertheless, it has not been completely nullified. I mean, there are those who would argue that steadfast as God's love may be, there are limits to his patience. That lines are set, lines are drawn. And there are times, they say, when God's presence leaves us. And so there's a tension, a tension between God's expectation of our obedience, keeping the commandments, walking in God's way, and the great gospel hope, the good news of gracious, unconditional love. They were not put to rest in Jesus Christ. Depending on where you find yourself within the Christian tradition, it's possible to understand the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as God's resounding gospel news nevertheless. Or God's final gut-wrenching plea for if. And both are found in the New Testament. I mean, if you look at St. Paul, he says, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Is that it? Is that it? Or is it Jesus who says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all who believe in him shall have eternal life. Is it like the prodigal son who receives his father's forgiveness and blessing before he even takes his first step home? Or is it 
like the king who in the end must separate the sheep from the goats. You see, there's a tension here, a tension in the Bible and and a tension in life itself. And so this is where faith is and can only be lived, between if and nevertheless. And I wish I wish I could tell you which it was. I wish I could tell myself which it was. But here's what I believe. After reading Scripture and living a long life, thanks be to God, seeing what goes on around me in the world, are you ready? I believe God's hope is nevertheless. I believe God's dream, God's plan for the world is nevertheless. That come what may, in the end, God longs to draw all things and all people together in one. Because God wants peace and love and justice and mercy and reconciliation for all people. And I believe this is what we should hope for. And we should live as if in the end, love wins over fear. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now unto God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost be ascribed all might, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.